name's Sean, I've trademarked, for those of you who don't know. Uh, we thought this year, this, this year, or this event is, is trademarks event uh, as part of Good Relations Week, and we thought this year that we would try to give a focus on sectarianism, which is still obviously uh, a massive uh, live issue, and in particular give sort of a platform to younger activists, younger people, uh, and give them a say on, on the on the issue and, and how we might begin to address it. So I'm not going to speak for much longer, I'm not going to detain you. We'll try not to detain you for too too long today um, because it's such a nice day. We were due to have a, another speaker, um, but they have unfortunately let us down um, at, the, at the last minute. Um, but I'm sure the, the panelists we have here will, will make for an interesting, fascinating discussion. Um, I'm going to leave it there and leave you in, in the capable hands of, of Rory Lennon, who's going to host today's debate and, and guide you through it. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming, first and foremost. Um, and thank you to Trademark for organising the event as part of uh, Good Relations Week. I'd also like to thank the speakers for coming. Fiona Ferguson from People Before Profit. We have Colin Matthews from the Colony Youth Movement and Christopher Stewart from the Socialist Party. I think it's important we have these conversations and particularly give voices to young people in a time when sectarian instances and attacks are um, on the rise throughout the north. And we're reaching an impasse with Brexit and there's beginning to be a discussion around um, the question of Irish unity. So I would just like to kick things off with the first question. I'm going to give each speaker a couple of minutes to speak and say whatever they have to say. Um, and we'll go from there. So first of all, Fiona, um, what do you understand by sectarianism, its origins and development? Oof, good start. Yeah. I have to say, first of all, uh, apologies to the panel because I did just think he was the Oprah speaker and I think I very much offended him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, understanding the origins, what else and what else? What do you understand by sectarianism, its origins and development? Well, sectarianism in today's society, I think, is a method still used to divide communities um, for different reasons. Um, I think there are those in today's society who still gain from the sectarian divisions in our society, and that's why they continue um, to keep those uh, divides alive. Um, if you look at, for example, uh, Stormont or any of the, uh, the state agencies here that are responsible for divvying out resources, it's much easier to tell people that there's nothing on the table if both sides are fighting for whatever crumbs are falling from the table. Um, and I think that when you look at anything from housing um, to benefits, the kind of sectarian tensions that are stoked up around those issues um, give real credence um, to that. Um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, sectarianism was, a, a, was a, a natural consequence of what happened when this state was founded. Um, both sides of the border, I think, when, the, when this state was founded, um, it was the conservatives in society that were uh, left to rule and they both knuckled down in their respective um, kind of backgrounds. Uh, knuckling down a really conservative orange state in the north um, and this Catholic counterpart uh, in the south. Um, and since then, I think we've seen, um, well, we know what's happened since then in terms of the repression of communities, um, one side of the community and as a whole the working class community and both of those things uh, give rise to continuing uh, sectarianism. Where founded what you know, today, what was the last one? It's development, how, so how sectarianism developed since the foundation 
Yeah, I mean, I think, so if we say that that kind of attitude and those kind of divisions in society were copper fastened then, I think it's been, it's been developed um, uh, systemically. And I think that Stormont and the institutions that we have here have rubber stamped it time and time again, as well as reinforcement. You go into any, uh, you go into Stormont, you're asked to designate as nationalist or unionist. You try to form an executive and you're told you have to be, have one nationalist block mm-hmm. and one unionist block. You try to use a petition of concern, something that's meant to protect the rights of people here, and your vote doesn't count unless you're a nationalist uh, or a unionist. And then you look at the ways that uh, Stormont uh, keeps sectarianism alive by directly funding, for example, loyalist groups in East Belfast mm. and different uh, paramilitary groups through SIF funding, the way that every year the council pays out to the tune um, of almost millions of pounds to keep uh, bonfires alive, to keep paramilitaries in certain areas happy, and then turn around and look at you with a blank stare when you ask, how can you not understand why these people feel entitled in these communities to continue to stoke up sectarianism uh, and rule uh, by division? So you would say that the political status quo will almost benefit off of the sectarian division. Yeah, I th- well, I think that there, I think that that's obvious to see when you when you see the way that they uh, try to keep us uh, divided. And there's very minute examples of that, like uh, the PUP and the DUP saying we don't want any greenhouses here, talking about Hillview. Um, and, and then I think there's the wider agenda. The establishment here is very happy with how things are running. They might act like they're unhappy with each other. They might act like they're not best friends. But when Stormont was up and working. We, th- we might say it wasn't working for us, it wasn't working for working class communities, but it was working very well for the, for the establishment here, and I think that's, that's critical to understand what you're asking. That was a great answer there, Fiona. Um, Connell, same question to you. What do you understand by sectarianism, its origins and development? You've been reading my notes. Took all words in my head. <laughs> um, well, obviously, I think looking at the development of sectarianism, take that on the origin of it, I think it's impossible to look at the origins of terrorism without looking at partition. I think partition is sort of the main reason we have the, we've had the sectarianism in this part of the island. Um, you know, the way the state was created, and the manner it was created, and the system of government that it had, I think all that obviously just was the perfect environment for sectarianism. Obviously, you know, Craig and his Protestant state were Protestant people. Not you, Craig, individually, but James Craig, Prime Minister. Um, and you know the way, that, the way that government was set up, you know, the electoral rigging, um, the lack of civil rights, for not, not only for Catholics, but Protestants, you know, Protestant working class, you know, suffered massively in that government. Um, and that's what, that's what those people forget. Obviously not us, we know that, but people who haven't read a lot or aren't as educated as much will obviously assume that all civil rights and all that, that was just Catholics. But obviously Protestants were heavily involved in that as well. And the way the Protestant establishment would have used sectarianism, unionist, sorry, the unionist establishment would have used sectarianism to divide both the Protestant and Catholic working classes because they knew if both of them on the same page united, they would have, that government wouldn't have lasted until 71 or 72. Um, so origin, development, I think it was very, you know, both churches had huge roles to play, Catholic Church and Presbyterian Church. Um, especially in the north and obviously in the free state as well. It was a Catholic state for Catholic people and you know that government made clear that that's what it was. Um, likewise in the six counties. Um, I would say maybe more so in the six counties because the Catholic minority was a lot more prominent 
in the north rather than the Protestant minority yeah. in the Republic or the Free State at the time. Um, but then, so then, Sakainism would have to I mean, as I was trying to say, the mainly focus would have been on Catholicism and Protestantism, whereas get into sort of the 60s and 70s, I think the development of sectarianism, where then it is nationalism and republicanism, and now nationalism and republicanism would be more of, let's say, more of an identity, more of um, a target. Whereas, because most people like myself, I was raised Catholic, but I wouldn't identify as a Catholic. I would be an atheist. But where, they would, where I would be targeted would be because I would be a Republican. I would be an Irish Republican. That's where I think then the development of it has um, been carried out. Um, what was the... Just origins of development. Oh, I think that's right. Um, Christopher, same question to you then. Uh, yeah, I'd just like to start off by saying, you know, thanks for, for having me here to speak uh, on behalf of Socialist Youth, and I think this is a really important uh, uh, discussion that we need to be having. It's been alluded to, obviously, we've seen the past few months uh, and this year specifically, um, just horrible examples of, of sectarian violence in our society, the killing of Lyra McKee, and uh, it being obviously like a, 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 a clear uh, example of that. I think it's important to note, uh, as, as has been also mentioned by some of the speakers, that sectarianism isn't just uh, isn't just like bigotry, like words or actions on, on the hands of, of, of individuals. It's it's a uh, it's an institutionalized problem in our society. It's, it's a divide that runs right through uh, our society, um, and it's it's a divide that is stoked and has been historically uh, by by the bosses. You know, it's it's used to divide working class uh, communities, as has been mentioned, um, as, as a means to, to up, ramp up the exploitation of, of workers so that, so that uh, capitalists can, can, can profit all the more. Um, and I think that you, there's, so there's so many historical examples of that. Uh, if we, we even you know, look, at, look at how it's been used to, to break up examples of workers' unity and, and class action around you know, the, the outdoor relief strike and whatnot, and the, the, the engineering strike, which uh, we, we've just passed the centenary of. But I think that, that, that's an important sort of point to, to, to mention, because if we look at, at you know, the, the history of, of, of this state, you know, we're, we're constantly taught that there's these two trends, there's nationalism and, and unionism. You know? In reality, we, we uh, have, a, have a, any sort of real class analysis, and when we look back at, that, at those sort of struggles, like the outdoor relief strike, where you had workers in the, on the falls and the shankle coming together in defence co- uh, committees and whatnot, um, and, 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 and meeting each other and, and, and battling the, 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 the state. I think uh, it's pretty clear to see that there's a third tradition there, you know, the, the, the tradition of, of, of working class unity and, and class struggle. Um, I think if we're, if we're you know, genuinely going to look at what is what is behind uh, uh, today, like in the, the development of sort of the, these the, the two communities in our society. What is behind um, nationalism and, and, and unionism? Uh, I think there's a, there's a, a you know, na- the nationalist community obviously with the history of of state repression and, and the history of, of discrimination and whatnot, um, very much feel like they they they're coerced to be in a state that they don't want to be a part of. Um, and in the, in, the, in the upper community, in the, in the unionist community, I think um, increasingly there is a, a sense of, of, of fear and, uh, uh, amongst the unionist people of insecurity that, that they, will be, they will also be coerced in this state that they don't want to be a part of, uh, a, a united capitalist Ireland, um, uh, that that will you know, fundamentally be a, a neoliberal capitalist uh, state that, that, that won't represent their interests as, as, as workers at all. Um, and, and, and that is exasperated even by the history of, of the troubles and, 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 the, and the armed conflict that, uh, that, that uh, Protestant uh, working class people um, obviously like, look to in horror. But I mean, we, we are going to talk about the development of sectarianism today. Uh, some, some of the speakers have, have mentioned this, but 
since the Good Friday Agreement, there's been there's been no real end to the conflict. You know, there's just been uh, an institutionalization of it, um, mm-hmm. it, it within the, the sort of walls of of Stormont, and. Uh, and, and it's been used again, as we can see, as a means to attack working class communities and um, to, to bring rampant cuts uh, to our, our health service, our, our school budgets and, uh, and whatever. Um, and, and the privatisation of, of, of uh, a lot of our, our public services. I think now more than ever, I think we'll, we'll get onto this topic as, as this goes on, but there's a real crying need for a united working class fight back, you know. We've seen historically that the Protestant and Catholic people can, can, can come around uh, when when there is genuine class struggle in, in both their interests and and, uh, and and there's there's now more more than ever a need for that a, a fight back of the trade unions but also uh, we need like an independent party of, of working class people by working class people made up of working class people fighting in the interests of working class people and working class people alone and um, to fight back against all these things like austerity the, the rampant poverty uh, that we see in our in our society and whatnot. Uh, great answer there. You touched on the development of sectarianism uh, quite a bit there. Did I, did I miss when you mentioned the origins of sectarianism? Oh, I mean, uh, we're going to talk about the origins of sectarianism. I mean, uh, it, it's pretty clear that that, that that class divide is the lasting impact of, of uh, imperialism in, in, in Ireland, you know. Um, and I think uh, you saw, as has been mentioned by the other speakers, Amongst the formation of, of, of the, the state in the north, you saw, you know, the the use of, of, of uh, you know sectarian gangs and sectarian violence to do that to divide workers, but not not only to to attack the interests of uh, uh, the conditions of, of Catholic workers, but but the same with, with Protestant workers as well. Good answer, Chris. Um, so I'm having us move on to the next question. Uh, so to you, Fiona, were its current manifestations sectarianism? Were its current manifestations? And how does it impact on the lives of young people? Well, I think it depends on what level um, you're looking at, because we've already discussed quite a bit what the... Chris used a good word, the institutionalisation of sectarianism is. I call it managing sectarianism. (coughs) I don't think society here has really, or the state here, has really thought about any sort of solution for sectarianism, rather... How do we manage this? Uh, how do we keep this under wraps? And as far as I'm concerned, that's mediating and allowing sectarianism to continue. So at that level, that's how um, it peters out in one way in society. And we've already touched uh, all of us on the effects of that. Um, but if we look particularly at young people, um, you know, it's that kind of it's that kind of attitude that you know working class communities now are some of the areas that we see in two ways the highest levels of first of all deprivation but also um, the overhang of the troubles the PTSD the mental health issues and it's those areas as well where we see the state making the heaviest cuts whether it's to benefits uh, through welfare reform whether it's to mental health services uh, or whether it's to you know refusing to to put money uh, into uh, building proper rehab facilities um, cutting back on new centres and that kind of thing um, and it's, it's been said already so there's no point uh, in labouring yeah. um, but that use of uh, cutting back communities to keep people fighting over the very scraps of society to keep people pitted and turned against each other is a method of um, maintaining uh, the status quo and the impact that it has on young people is immeasurable 
Yeah. We have a we have a mental health crisis, uh, particularly in North and West Belfast, where people and it's not just young people. Mind, I think sometimes it's the idea of a fifty year old dad in Ardoin taking his life. It's almost you know the most terrifying. But it, it does have to be said that young people do um, young people do feel. Uh, the brunt of that quite strongly. But then there's the other aspects where we do see blatant sectarian attacks still happening today. I mean, whether that is the the murder of Lyra McKee or whether that is the idea of, you know, in my area at the minute, there's kids um, gathering the bottom of the new lodge um, and turning to face their counterparts on the other side of the road, gangs gathering and beating, don't know if I can swear here, out of each other. Um, and it's the same... Um, up the road, it's the same um, at the roundabout, and the idea that these kids were born or brought up with this level um, of sectarianism, I think, is false. We get the explanation, it's explained away by establishment politicians that this place will never change, this is why we shouldn't have mixed communities, this is the way it's always been, and when you actually consider the material conditions with which those kids live every day of their lives, and then the kind of rhetoric that they hear coming from, from on high, it's not surprising that we're in the situation that we are, especially with the cuts, especially with the lack of services, especially with the lack of housing and the state of housing. The kids find themselves in a position where they're looking across the road and thinking that's the enemy. Um, I think that, uh, that there are just a few, a number of examples of how I think sectarianism manifests mm-hmm. itself in society today. It's quite interesting that um, a lot of people born after 1998 who maybe never experienced the conflict as well uh, still hold onto them same ideas. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I think as well as that, you know, it, it's, it's one of the starkest examples of the impact of this is how many people have taken their lives after the troubles. We were all promised a peace dividend. And Lear McKee, actually, speaking of it, is someone who always championed the idea that working class communities here on both sides never saw the peace dividend. And she was right. She was bang on. And that, that it's, it's that combined with that overhang, the, the lack of looking at this thing head on, deciding that we're going to move on for, from it, not managing it. Um, and giving people the proper help and support and investment that they need is the reason, are the reasons why um, mm. I think we're seeing so much of that in our communities. So how do you think the left combat that sectarianism, and especially how do young people on the left combat that sectarianism? Well, I think that, you know, I think from all of our answers, it's pretty clear the state's not the option, so it's going to have to happen in working class communities. I mean, a socialist will say that anyway, that's what we believe, but if it isn't clear to liberals or to anybody else by this point that schools that or any of the institutions here aren't the way to solve sectarianism, then I don't know what will break from the mindset, quite frankly. Um, and I think that particularly in those areas, it's going to have to be young people. It's the new generation here at the co-face of so many of these things that's being impacted um, by that kind of divide and I, I think being just brutally honest it has to be about organising in those communities it has to be getting stuck into those communities getting stuck into those issues whether it's fighting to save your local mental health centre or whether it's fighting against welfare reform or whether it's fighting for better housing on those interfaces in those areas um, empowering and enabling people to fight back that will not only improve their living conditions and will be the only way their living conditions uh, will improve but also you know it's not going to solve sectarianism, but yeah. what better place to start than by bringing people together on the issues that transcend the divide across working class communities? And I think that that's what the left's orient has to be doing. And I think that that's what we've been trying to do um, uh, for the last uh, number of years. And I think that you know, there's a, there's a good example I have. And there's a reason why I use mental health centre in this because there's a mental health centre called the Everton Day Care Centre. Um, 
uh, in North Belfast. It's right on the Crumlin Road. On one side of the community, you have the orange shops. On the other side of the community, you have Twiddell. It's been a hot spot since the Troubles, um, uh, but it's a, a centre that caters for both sides of the community. And, of course, Dorman threatened to close it down with a number of others. Um, I'll say that too. And what we saw in the fight back, the campaign to save it, and we did see it, was people coming from both sides of the communities. And it was the most basic of socialist organising, getting out, talking to people, calling meetings, protesting, leafleting, um, getting together uh, and, and standing up and fighting back. And it was successful. And there were friendships that were created there uh, that, that, that transcend the kind of invisible barrier that still runs up that road, that is ramped up every time um, there, there's a breakout of trouble uh, on the 12th. It's not going to solve sectarianism, but I think there's no better place to start than by getting young people involved in those campaigns, empowering themselves to fight back and you know facing the person across the street who's in the same position that they are. Yeah, that's a great example of that as well. Actually, so the same question to you then, Connell. Um, what are the current manifestations of sectarianism, do you believe, and uh, how does it impact the lives of young people? Well, let's start off with the impact um, on young people. I mean, myself, I'm 19, and, you know, you feel, it's, it's sort of, that, although, as you said, born after the Good Friday Agreement and the promise everything would, be, everything would change, you wouldn't have that mentality, but still, you still have that sort of tribal and it's the tribal feeling that's instilled in you. You know, like if I would be walking down like a row with Union Jacks, I might feel uneasy. I might like look over my shoulder and like not feel as comfortable. Uh, whereas if I'd be walking down a road with maybe tricolour or something like that, I would feel more comfortable. I feel okay. This is I can feel safer here. I mean, even saying my name, if I said my name in some certain areas, I might feel that could like have a negative impact on me. Or if I'm in town, or you know things like that, talking about certain topics and having certain debates and conversations. You always have to be hesitant and think about what you're going to do <coughs> and how some people might react, you know, um, around you. Uh, like, uh, and that, that's, that, that's upsetting, the way that, that like, that's reality. Like, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. I mean, it's nearly 11 years after the Greek argument, I'm in the matter. Yeah, 2019. 20? 20. <laughs> there we go. I got my mouth, by the way. I got my mouth, 20 years. And what has changed? Like... Okay, there's a less violence, but there's still conflict, you know. And obviously that impacts. There's been uh, we're almost going into the second generation after the Good Friday Agreement, um, and there's still the current manifestations. You know, segregated housing, segregated education, um, and the fact trademark still exists in 2019. You know, trademark was set up to, you know, combat sectarianism and have a society where there's no sectarianism. 2019 and trademark still here, still fighting. You know, still having to uh, give out training programs in certain workplaces like the ASDA and the Shore Road, where there was the sectarian incident of the um, ASDA worker Billy Hunter, who was in, who suspended because um, of sectarian songs and sectarian behaviour, and then the people <coughs> in that uh, community came out and supported them. So then it had to be um, uh, people in the ASDA, in the ASDA shop trained on sectarianism, and these people are in their 40s and 50s, and they they have, they're having to be sent through programs to understand sectarianism and understand that you can't say certain things to people because it's wrong. You know, like, that's mental, the way that's the society that we live in. Um, what, what was the other part of that? Um, so I'd ask you then, uh, how do you think the left combat this? Like Fiona said, focusing on issues that unite us, you know, because we're, give, we're filled with this sort of facade. Something on the roof? <laughs> we're really given this sort of... Uh, Sort of story from birth that 
there's them and there's us and we're both we'll, uh, not work together work separately and we'll try and get our own things but that obviously won't work um, and what we'll have to do is we'll have to unite and find common issues like um, so community action like fighting for m- mental health services uh, fighting for better health services in general transport things like that find issues that unite us and that's the best way to combat it because then we'll find things that we have in common we'll be then we educate each other on our own on things that have happened in our own lives on our own past education and then once that is then once we're united in that then there's nothing that can stop us and I think that's the best way to move forward and that's the in fact that's the only way we can move forward great answer Carl um, Chris how does the left combat sectarianism particularly in the oh yeah well I mean I'd like, we were talking like first about the manifestation yeah. sort of I think like Figure sort of hit on those points well, but you know when you have like like segregated schools and segregated housing, you 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 know like I have friends who didn't have a a, a maid on the other side of like the, the tracks until they were like twenty. I was one of them people. Something. No, not twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean like in even the fact that we have more peace walls now, and we we did ever uh, have you know during the troubles, you know it's reflective of of, of the, the the failure of of, of the Good Friday Agreement to actually bring an end in any way to to the conflict, you know. And I, th- I think that fundamentally is because you have political parties that only seek to manage, I would say only seek to manage the interests of one community, you know, Sinn Féin and, and the DUP. Uh, but, but in reality, it's not even. They're, they're there to manage the interests of the capitalist class and, and it, it, within the, their community, you know. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's telling that after years of workers being forced to swallow another <coughs> pill after another, um, they, like we, we, we saw the, the, the assembly collapse over the, you know, the RHI, the, the whole fucking scandal, but they were you know, just giving money to their rich friends. You know? it, 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 it's, it's, it's so obvious um, to see the, the, the class divide there. I mean, on the question of how the, the, the left can, can combat that, um, I think some of the points uh, that have been raised are, are good. I mean, the fundamental question is that capitalism in, in the north uh, is 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 always has been and always will be sectarian. You know, it's, it's fundamentally based off that. There's no way you can reform it out of the system. And um, we need to be looking towards a radically different society. You know, but I think uh, in terms of immediate things, I mean, I was extremely angry when uh, after the killing of of Lear McKee, um, uh, ICTU and the trade union movement, uh, in, in my opinion, see like did, did absolutely nothing in the way of a, a of a movement against that. You know, and the, like it, it, growing up, uh, learning about uh, the, what the trade union movement was able to do in the past to combat sectarian killings, uh, where they were organising strikes and protests that that fundamentally forced the paramilitaries um, to to essentially you know into ceasefire at, at certain points. Um, that was extremely inspiring to me, and I think that that's, that is absolutely what's necessary now. So, I mean, um, if, you know, if to absolutely need to, to lead a, a fight back against this sort of sectarian violence we're seeing. But, uh, I mean, just talking about a radically different society, you know, um, we, 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 we need a genuine democracy, you know, a genuine workers' democracy that is, that, that, that is not based on, on, you know, the private ownership of of uh, the wealth in society that fundamentally does not um, bring about poverty and, and, and inequality. Um, I mean, I would look to the example of, of, of the Russian Revolution, you know, where, where workers uh, rose up and, uh, and, and, and were able to fundamentally uh, throw off the, the, the shackles of their old czarist uh, regime and, and, and create a, 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 a society in, in their own interests, you know. Um, and I think that's absolutely what's necessary today, and that, that's only possible through class struggle, you know, through conflict between workers and, and the capitalist class. 
Can I come in to add yeah, one of those? Just to reinforce the point that you were making there, because I think after the death of Leary McKee, one of the things that astounded me, I mean, I agree with what astounded you, one of the things that astounded me was seeing some uh, leaders in the trade union movement coming out and saying, that's it, this has to be the end of it, back up to Stormont, and thinking, seriously? The place that has created the workplace conditions that you've been trying to fight back against for the past 10 years, and you think the solution is to get those two parties back in a room, doing it all over again, when we know what's coming in the fresh start agreement, if, it, if it's re-implemented and I think that we see that far too often I think that actually one of the saddest things about that um, was that the things that Lyra wrote about were totally uh, ignored she wrote about this, the failure of the state installment for young people um, uh, and for working class communities and all of a sudden her death was used to symbolise the kind of um, notion of just getting this gravy train back up and running and just on the point of um, the power of unions you know, it is something that you almost feel is a, a, a part of the distant past living here. You do see that, the, the ability. I mean, we organised, well, Matt Collins, I can't take credit, um, but Matt organised uh, a march of workers, one, one uh, side from the Falls Leisure Centre, the other from the Shankill Leisure Centre, um, to meet in the middle to campaign against the privatisation of the leisure centres, the rundown of working conditions, the uh, raising of prices, and really just letting the places go to dust, because that is what's happening. Um, machines are rusted, pools are cold, kids aren't able to get at them. And trying to get trade unions to show up was like pulling teeth. Here is an example of we're right across the divide, uh, working class people are coming together to stand up and say this isn't the kind of place we want to live in, this is the kind of place that we want to live in and we're willing to stand together and do it together and who wouldn't stand with them? I think Chris had a response to that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a really good point made about uh, the, the sort of idea that, you know, bring, you know getting the, the sectarian parties back in Stormont is, is any sort of solution. I mean, I think that the points that we, we've made about uh, austerity and privatisation and poverty is, is, is so obvious. If you, if you look at, like, you know, the, 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 like what is actually stoking the sectarian violence? Like, if you look at the, the, the Craigan, there was a, a, a bomb found there j- j- just the other week. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most impoverished areas in, in Europe, you know, and, and after, after, you know, just a torrent of, of cuts, austerity and, and whatnot, the idea that, that in any way Stormont and the sectarian parties offer a solution is ridiculous. Um, I think it's like the new notch. Yeah, no, exactly. Sinn Féin sound like, I can't understand why these kids are behaving like this. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, galled like by the idea of it. Their housing conditions are terrible. <coughs> uh, their youth sector, I mean, the youth sector funding hasn't necessarily been cut. But if you look where it used to go to, community organisations, and where it goes now, and how it's funneled out, and how much is given to community organisations, and then to see the two establishment parties stand there and say, we can't understand why hooligans are behaving like this, is just one of, it is really infuriating. Not that their behaviour was right, said, mm. but at the same time, that it was actually stoking it. You know? I, th- I think it's important. It was like I don't have any uh, any faith in the, in the leadership of Victor actually like themselves launch this uh, this fight back that's necessary. But the, the, the trade union movement is is a vital anti-sectarian uh, body. You know, it, it, it brings together hundreds of thousands of, wor- of workers across the divide. Um, but I think like. We can't just wait for it to do something, you know. Um, the, I think it's the, the paraphrase Jim Larkin, you know, the working class can't fight with one hand tied behind their back, you know. We need a, a political party like that'll that'll fight in our interests, you know, and that they'll bring workers together uh, in those class interests. So. Yeah, I think it's Sorry. interesting you touched on, on, <laughs> on, on the on the trade union movement and young people because that would have been one thing that would have united um, people back in engineer strikes and that sort of thing. And like, how many young people between sixteen and twenty five who are working? are aware of the trade union movement mm-hmm. and are active in it. So I think the task will be on the left, and especially young people on the left, to revitalise 
the trade union movement, and yeah. it's something we're starting to sort of see. I think we're seeing good stuff with the United Hospitality because yeah. that's uh, where a lot of young people are working. Um, certainly, a lot of the young people that I know are on. You know, sometimes it's your first job and you're working in a restaurant that says we give you three hundred quid a week. Sounds incredible, but when you work sixty hours that week, <coughs> absolute pittance. And I think that that's a really uh, good place where we can galvanise, mm-hmm. and it's good to see that that works uh, being done. Yep. And, and I mean, sorry to just. <laughs> I mean, the United Hospital is a good example. I mean, like uh, some like some of the work we we've, we've been doing through, I mean, like the the, pe- the the people we meet, they don't really have much experience with with, uh, with the trade union movement. They, they don't have much experience with uh, you know the socialist movement at, at all. But uh, we're seeing across the world, you know, the young people take up the methods of, of class struggle. You know, the the, the McStrike or or Weber's, the mm-hmm. Weberspoons campaign and whatnot. Um, and I think that the, the the ground is set now for for, for a, a fight back that'll 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 you know potentially start with with young workers and whatnot who who obviously I think the 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 situ- the world situation uh, that faces young people is one that is just marked by total insecurity you know security over over jobs over over housing over you know the, the climate like um, and I think it's it's fertile ground for for the socialist movement to to get our ideas out there you know and, yeah. and organize. Um, the key part of that again is to educate the young people on that because I mean I have loads of friends working in hospitality working in hotels and restaurants and none of them I can guarantee some of them wouldn't even know what a trade union is unless you never heard of it. So I think that we have a responsibility ourselves. So we do, we are educated on it. Maybe, maybe not as much as some others, but we have that role to educate our friends and our fellow comrades in this. And that's the responsibility we have and we have to execute that. I think the good thing about that as well is that, I mean, I'd be of the opinion that there's no better educational tool than struggle and being involved in struggle and learning the lessons of how you fight back and how victories can be won and there's no better way that's probably why the young people in the hospitality sector who've never been uh, open to the ideas or known about the ideas of socialism you find a lot of these people who call themselves inherent socialists after being involved uh, in that kind of struggle and I think that that's one of the ways by tapping into those communities by tapping into those workplaces uh, and, and, and uh, presenting these issues um, or rather removing the, the lens of sectarianism from these things and uniting people um, to fight back on these issues. And do you know what? We're already seeing it. Like, there's the NIPSA public sector strike. There's the climate strike tomorrow. FBU, nurses, most of one? Postal workers. Postal workers, that's five. I mean, all right, the climate strike's not a proper strike. for enough, right? <laughs> but there's five issues where people aren't waiting for Stormont, aren't waiting for, um, aren't waiting for, you know, better uh, conditions before taking action and strike. And I think one of the nurses in particular, I guess it's the first time in a long time that the Royal College of Nurses have called their workers to strike. Yeah. I think it's important. And I think it's important that they're doing it in the absence of Stormont because every day that this kind of thing happens and people don't wait for Stormont uh, and we get things uh, through movements and win things through movement that proves the futility of the state that continues um, to allow the gravy team to choo-choo on uh, when really in the absence of it we can get so much more uh, done. Yeah, the same thing happened with marriage equality yep. and reproductive rights for women. Uh, people took it into their own hands. And a lot of young people as well yeah. were visible at the Rally for Choice yeah. um, last week. Mm-hmm. And people aren't waiting on Stormont. Yeah. Uh, so um, people are beginning to mobilise and organise themselves. So is there a path beyond sectarianism? Um, is Stormont uh, and the North failed institutionally? Um, and what role can young people play in that? Yeah, first. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, institutionally is one thing, yes. 
Um, but beyond that, I mean, we have to look at the kind of state that we are living in and what it is for workers today, what it is for young people today. And if we can really tinker within <laughs> the inner mechanisms of it to make it work for us, I don't think that that's possible. I think if we are talking about, um, as we've heard already, a fundamentally different kind of society, which I do think it will, we will need before we can, over, or in the process of overcoming um, all of these problems, I don't think the North can be it. I just don't. And I do think that we're going to have to see if we want you know, a society that exists on this island that is equal, that is fair, that does, um, uh, that does um, you know, require the richest or whoever in society to pay <coughs> the most so that those at the bottom of society can live a decent life, then we are going to have to talk about the removal of the border. We are going to talk about a different kind of Ireland where all people, regardless of where they're living now, regardless of what their background is, come together. And I think that we need to start talking about it big and winning people to those ideas soon because those conversations are already happening in communities, on the media, and it is the establishment ideas that are out about this already. It's that kind of, it's the, you know, uh, colonies with SVLP, oh, don't be talking about that now because people aren't ready. Uh, juxtapose with the other side, which is just do it, just rip up the border um, and, and we'll be fine afterwards. Get us in and we'll fix it. And it can't be what we're talking about anymore. We have to be talking to people about uh, the kind of Ireland where it's not Sinn Féin and the DUP in Stormont and Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil in Dublin, where it's actually uh, a 32 county democratic society where, um, you know the notion of austerity and uh, paying 50 quid to see your doctor and welfare reforms um, and accepting the banker's debt because Europe told you to or uh, whatever else is coming from Westminster isn't um, isn't how society is run. We need, I think, the left needs to be getting those big ideas out there now so that those become um, a valid alternative because as we've all said, um, a different, fundamentally different kind of society is the only kind of alternative that we can talk about. Not just in terms of resolving sectarianism, not just in terms um, of, of, of um, alleviating the pressures on the working class and creating a fairer society, but in order to stop the impending crisis that's threatening to give us no choice about any of this in terms of climate change. Yeah, I think that's important to say that we need to be talking about it now because the left of Britain really missed the boat when it came to Brexit and it was left to Nigel Farage and and then they did it wrong afterwards. Yeah. And the, Bre the Brexit party, and it's been left to the Tories. Um, so the left in Ireland, I think, needs to be having a discussion about unity now. Um, so we have, we have our position uh, we have our position nailed down, so we don't leave a potential New Ireland up to Fianna Gael mm -hmm. and end up being a neoliberal shithole. Um, and look, there's a way, sorry, I might say this, there's a way of doing that in, even if you're not necessarily in favour of a border poll tomorrow. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, as the polls show, more and more people are in favour of that. So regardless of whether we think it's right now is the perfect or the perfect conditions, it's gonna happen at some point and we all need to be talking about what kind of society there is beyond that. Because if not, and if we're the ones saying, Well, we slow down, don't and it happens, then we won't be ahead of the establishment on this. Not that probably that's the likelihood, but at least our ideas won't have been able to shape a certain part of the discussion. Also, same question to you: Is there a path beyond sectarianism? Um, what role do young people play? Yes, there is a path beyond sectarianism, but it will not be in the partition state. I think it's the root cause of it. State has the state has only survived with a large proportion of the community being abused, and therefore, once you take that out, then the state can't survive. The state has failed in every aspect: for jobs, housing, health. It's failed. 
I think the only way forward is a workers' republic. <coughs> and as I said, once the border pool comes, because it will come, we need to be talking about it. And that it, we're not just we have to make sure that this will be the creation of a new state, a new Ireland. That it will not just be the North being consumed by the republic. We have to make sure that we're ready for that and that we're ready to fight that because we all we can all agree no one wants to be living in a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael state. I think, no, I don't think anyone wants that. Wouldn't work, wish that in the worst enemy. Or even a Fianna Fáil Green Party state, a Fianna Fáil Sinn Féin state, yeah. whatever yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, that exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that the only way we can move past this is by working together and basically fighting for a new state. I think we have to fight no matter what. No matter what the consequences or the risks, we have to give it because we have to give it our all. Because if we don't, then everything will just go down. The, everything will just go down the toilet. I mean, because let's be honest, this a neoliberal state—they won't fight on the environment. They won't fight for workers. They will not. They will not try and change their economy. They'll be happy, as you said, sit in the EU. And yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, we'll pay all that debt. You take, you take charge of our economy and you pose the story and us. Oh, it's okay, yeah, we'll accept that. We have to fight and we have to stand up and say, that isn't right, and we will not accept that. And I think as sectarianism, obviously that's the main part of it, but everything else on top of that, I think what cannot be, it can't be fixed, and it won't be fixed inside a partition state. It'll only happen on an all-island basis in a new Ireland. That's the only way that'll be fixed. Chris? I, mean, I think it's, a, it's an important question, you know, the, the kind of path beyond uh, sectarianism. I think most important, first of all, is to acknowledge that we find ourselves in, in an extremely difficult situation. I mean, we were talking there about the, the, the potential sort of opportunities for, 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 for class struggle in the period ahead. But at the same time, you know, we have to acknowledge that, that, this, that this increase in sectarian violence and this, this digging in on the other side um, is, is absolutely an impediment to, to class struggle. And it, 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 it is, uh, uh, that, that sort of divide uh, r- remains today. And uh, I mean, uh, to, to, uh, again, I'll, I'll paraphrase Conley, you know, I mean, I think uh, uh, that a capitalist United Ireland is in, in, in no way um, a real solution to the, the problems that, that Ireland has had. I mean, uh, the, the English ruling class uh, and American imperialism will, will, will still control Ireland, you know, will still control it through, through its banks uh, and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, 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 and for workers, that means fundamentally, you know, privatisation, austerity. That means uh, poverty and, and the sort of uh, degradation that we've seen over the years here. And I think um, if we were to, to have a, a border poll, you know, tomorrow or, or in the next few weeks, um, based on uh, on on the sort of division we see today, um, I, I I can't see it being a path beyond sectarianism. To be honest, like I can only see it to be uh, uh, something that would would further that division, you know, would, would further whip up, whip up sectarianism and, uh, and stoke those tensions. Because, um, I mean, Catholics have, have, have revolted against uh, being coerced into a state they don't want to be a part of for, 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 for decades. I mean, even going, going further back than that, um, centuries, you know. Um, and I don't think it, it would be any different uh, on the side of, of Protestant workers, you know, uh, especially if you did have that, that sort of... Uh, capitalist state that was uh, fundamentally there to exploit them um, I think uh, where, where we are today that that is not a real path beyond sectarianism and uh, I've said it before and I'll, I'll sound a bit like a, a broken record here but the, the, the only path beyond sectarianism is, is a united struggle of working class people you know um, against the capitalist system that, that, that is there fundamentally 
uh, to exploit them. Um, and I don't think you can you can build uh, that sort of socialist struggle in one community. Um, I don't think we can simply wish away the fact that about half of, of working class people uh, in the north uh, consider themselves British. You know. Um, and we even look to, I mean, I mentioned the Russian Revolution earlier, we're looking to, to, to a radically uh, different society and a socialist society. I mean, how, how, how they dealt with, with, with different um, um, national identities, you know, was not to, to coerce them into a state they didn't want to be a part of, it was to, 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 to grant them um, uh, rights on, on the basis uh, that they were fighting a, a fight on, on class issues uh, along with the Bolsheviks. So, I mean, I think that's the, that's the way forward. It's, it's not to... Um, to further the division, but it's to, to, to look to fight on, on those issues that unite us. So what did you say? Yeah, how did you know that? Did I say yeah. that? All oh, right, I must have done that without even realising that I did it. Um, yeah, just a couple of things. I think the point that you made, maybe you can clarify it, because maybe I picked it up wrong, but you know, if we, if we had a United Ireland that was a radically different kind of society, you would still have US imperialism, you would still have the EU? No? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm taking it off the basis that we're having a, 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 like a, a border call in the way Sinn Féin are pushing forward on the basis of capitalism, um, uh, you know, I, I, and I think that that's just a fundamental fact, fact that we, we remain within uh, the, the sort of imperialist global system that capitalism is. Is, is today, um, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think no, I think you're right on that. I wasn't sure exactly what you said. I think you're right on that, but I think it's the same. It, you you can make the same point about overthrowing capitalism just here in this state. Um, you'll still have all of the outside. You'll still have UK um, imperialism. You'll still have uh, the US sanctions, you know they'll be coming, you'll still have the EU and that kind of, uh, of vice grip, but that's not to play down the point that you're making because mm. I, I, I take it. Just I mean, I, I'm a fundamentally an internationalist, you know, I believe that the working class, not just uh, in Ireland, uh, it, it, it has more in common than, than what divides it, I think, across the world, you know, working class people have, have the same class interests and that is that is uh, an end to capitalist exploitation, uh, an end to the private ownership of wealth and society, and the democratization uh, of that. You know, whether that means uh, you know among uh, along racial divides, along uh, sectarian divides, along sexual divides, along gender divides, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I think on that, that's one thing in particular that I guess we can all agree on. Not to speak for anybody else, but I suppose we can uh, agree on. I think there's a very um, timely context that we'll have to remember when we're talking about this uh, as well and that's the that's the the notion that right now with brexit brexit one but the other thing is that the united kingdom is decaying in front of our eyes we've never been in a situation with a breakup of the united kingdom <laughs> two parts has been so close whether it's a scottish people call for second referendum of the or the idea of is this the kind of state we want to live in? And not just from Republicans, but from a lot of different uh, people from a lot of different backgrounds saying, this isn't working, something here is not working, and maybe that is what it is. And I think that's why we're seeing the re-emergence of this question. And I think as socialists, this is not to say that a border poll tomorrow will solve sectarianism, of course, but I think as socialists, we have to say that the breakup of the United Kingdom is a good thing, uh, that, that, that bringing an end to that one superpower is a good thing. Um, and... and, and um, putting a hammer blow uh, in, in what was once uh, a massive colonial force is a good thing. And, you know, right at Boris Johnson is a great thing. <laughs> um, but there is the element of Brexit as well, and we have to think about that. I mean, that plays a role in why we're seeing the kind of crisis that the United Kingdom has at the minute. Um, but I think there is something fundamentally undemocratic about telling the people of the North and the people of the South in border towns that a hard border will be imposed on you. Regardless of what way people voted in the referendum, I don't believe that anybody wants to see a hard border. Not the capitalists either. They want to see free uh, trade flowing. Um, 
um, as much as, or they want to see trade flowing easily as much as possible. Um, but ordinary people don't want to see a hard border. And I think that if anybody, whether it's Varadkar being the boot boy of the EU, as he's hinting strongly that he will be, or whether it's the other side, if it's the UK, um, or if it's the EU uh, very clearly saying we need to protect our single market, um, then I think that if that hard border is to be erected, I think we will see a response to that. Um, I think that it will be in the form of mass action. I think that it could be, uh, and that's, that's a positive thing, I think, uh, in terms of people getting in turned down. There's a really great story um, that I feel that life me can never remember who told me, but about when the initial border was erected here, um, ordinary communities and people and working class people and communities along the border getting out and saying you're not putting that post there and there are posts that were never put up because working class people sit at the bottom of the streets and say you're not you're not putting that up there and I think that that's something that we will see but I think it is fundamentally undemocratic to allow either the UK or Ireland on behalf of the EU to erect a hard border and for people here both sides of the border not to be able to say I don't want that. Carl do you want to say? Repeat everything. I repeat everything. <laughs> Yeah, so Chris mentioned earlier that um, there is the fear amongst um, unionism that um, Indian Ireland's fast approaching, uh, and along with the breakup of the potential breakup of the United Kingdom um, as well, will play into them fears. So, what what would what the nationalists or left Republicans was their role in trying to mitigate them fears in a border poll scenario? Yeah, so I think it has to be. What we've kind of all said already, it has to be talking about doing this to have a fundamentally different kind of society. And James Conley said it, don't you, you can't just hoist the green flag over Ireland and presume that our problems will be solved. You will still have um, the overhang of British imperialism and the rest of it. We will still have, you know, there's conversations happening now about keeping Stormont after the border is gone, keeping the doll as it is after Stormont is gone. What is more, <laughs> what brings more democracy? Not, none of that. You know, we need to be talking about um, different kinds of institutions run uh, locally, democratically, by the people across the 32 counties that feeds into a greater form of democracy um, and one which doesn't bow down to markets that we can't see or touch or feel, practically don't exist except capitalists tell us that they do and that we're in the shits one day because something's happened to them in this mythical world of markets. One that isn't you know, solely focused on growth, growth, growth and because it's so dependent on that, because it can't afford to lose out on it, because it's market competitors will win out and they will drop out um, and therefore it doesn't allow any room to talk about workers' mm-hmm. rights or, envir- or the environmental uh, crisis or women's rights. Um, we have a, a society that's based on the production um, for proper production uh, in society for proper need um, and run for people. And I think, all right, if I turn around and said that to someone who's not one day United Ireland in any kind of sense, it might sound like a bit of socialist jargon. So it's about talking to people in communities about what kind of society they want to live yeah. in on their terms, meeting people where they're at, hearing their concerns, because you know that there are people in working class loyalist communities who might not like the idea of United Ireland, but certainly don't love the idea of RHI, of SIF, of the paramilitaries controlling their communities, um, of the unrelenting cuts while those in the, at the top of society are going. We now have more millionaires in Belfast than anywhere else in the UK, apart from Aberdeen, which has oil, and London, the economic capital of these islands. Uh, and I think that that's not lost on people. It won't be easy. I'm not saying that just saying that the people will win them automatically, but I don't see any other way of winning people to the idea of a different kind of society without talking about it in terms of their day-to-day living conditions and talking about how we can improve them. And, of course, it's obvious to say that a rise in struggle 
and having um, stuff like Harlem and Wolf write a conversation, ask you like with someone, um, while at the same time being challenged by someone on Facebook that it was just unionists and loyalists running the place. Um, not that unionists and loyalists don't speak Irish. Um, but, you know, a, a struggle that brings people together, maybe on grounds we haven't traditionally seen it before. Um, I think that that rise in struggle um, will, will make those conversations so much easier. And that uh, ability to envision a different kind of society so much uh, easier. Chris, you're right in the way there. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you have something to say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, the question of the, the sort of uh, fears of the the Protestant community, um, I think it's important to sort of to, to, to look at where they come from, you know, yeah. um, I think uh, initially, uh, you know, sort of back, back in the day, there were fears that, that, that uh, in, in, a, in a Catholic United Ireland, Protestants would be kind of forced into a clerical Catholic yeah. state and where they would be a discriminated against minority. And I think uh, those fears still exist. I think they they uh, were exacerbated by, by the, the, the conflict that we saw uh, in this society, the, the, the horrible um, reality of it, where you know, Protestant workers were, were victimized um, uh, just for simply going to work by, um, by the, uh, the paramilitaries. Sorry to interrupt, but that's why it's then we have the duty to reinforce that it won't just be the North that's said being consumed by the Republic. The, I mean, it's yeah. the idea of a new state, maybe for the psychological impact, maybe in uni- on unionists. Well, I mean, Protestants that might have a more beneficial. I mean, just on that, I, I think I, I, I mean, appreciate everything that's being said, but I do think uh, there's a degree of a, um, of, of a, almost like an a, a idealist view of what a, a border pole would be. I mean, if we, if we look at the the, the, the sectarian conflict that, that we we you know just sat here and talked about how it's not gone away and how it's been you know uh, dug in and uninstitutionalized. I think on that basis, um, uh, if you had a, a, a border pole. Uh, that was being, you know, uh, championed by like Sinn Féin, for example, who, who Protestant workers, I think, uh, understandably so, will 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 and never look to as being <coughs> a, a sectarian uh, party. Um, but you know, obviously because of the history of here, I mean, uh, I, I think that you have to admit that that, that that situation would only sow disunity amongst workers. And, and if we are uh, socialist and, and have a, a class analysis here, we have to understand that that is a reality today. You know, you can't just wish away um, that that this this conflict uh, could sort of reemerge. And and I think that 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 is what we would potentially see in that in that scenario. You know, um, it's almost if, if you uh, coerce uh, Protestant workers into into a, a, a capitalist uh, state, and, and I appreciate that's not what you mm. want, but I, I do think uh, that, that is choice. fundamentally the question that we're, we're facing. Um, if Sinn Féin were, were to be uh, pushing a, a border pole, uh, you would just see potentially the re-emergence of, of, of a conflict, uh, even a violent conflict again, and even the potential uh, years down the road for, for a repartition, which would just not be the answer um, for, for, for working class people. And I think like the, Fiona referenced Harland and Wolf, and it's, it's, it's a very good um, example of, of how a class struggle uh, could be re-emerging in the next few years and, and, and even in, in the immediate period um, and how, how important that is because e- even a, a small gesture like that you know it just signifies how the, the sectarian barrier w- can just be you know eroded away by class struggle when 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 people uh, uh, working class people uh, re- are realizing and fighting for their for their same interests um, and I've mentioned it before but I think on that basis I mean the, the, the trade union movement is now talking about uh, fielding candidates in the elections on, on, a, on a working class you know ticket on a, on a, uh, on a trade union uh, ticket and I think that's the, that's the question you know and I don't think working class people should be should be uh, 
so we're, we're shackled by these uh, by, by parties in which they're, they're you know they're, they're, they they share a party with with the capitalist class and and, and the defenders of it and we fundamentally need uh, independent uh, workers politics and the, and the, and, the, and the party of, of working class people you know and so I think that that's really how we, we, we get over the, those fears of across the workers but at the same time how we um, fight back against the the fact that Catholic workers today are, are coerced into a state that they don't want to be a part of you know. Can I come back to one point on that? Because I think you're actually absolutely bang on on this idea of an idealistic view of a border poll. I think that most of us can accept that if it's going to happen in the next five, ten years, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be a border poll of our making. And it's kind of like we need to learn the lessons of Brexit in a way, because that referendum came before there was any opportunity to win people to the idea um, that the EU was what it was. There's no point in going back over um, drag up um, that, that, that argument. Uh, but the reality of Brexit has been um, that even though the vote was won, we don't live in a constitution. So we have to go back to Westminster to debate this issue. In the event of a successful border poll, the exact same things are going to be happening. Westminster will be talking about a trade deal with Ireland. And they, we need to be learning the lessons fast now of how do we get out ideas about what we want to see after. Because it won't be happening in our arenas, that's for sure. Even if we want it in the most idealistic conditions, it's still got to go to Westminster for a debate. And it'll be the Tories um, who, are, who, are, who are debating this, um, whether they're in power uh, or not. And I think that that really hammers home the idea that if this is the case, if there is going to be a border poll, there has to be left unity in talking about what kind of society we want afterwards. There will be things that not everybody in the left agrees with, but if the border poll happening has been accepted, we know it's happening, then there needs to be left unity in talking about how do we disseminate the ideas about what kind of society we can have the best, and it's only going to happen through left unity. I love the idea of left unity uh, in elections and that kind of thing. We've just done a big piece about it in the South, but I think that there is more of an onus to have um, left unity in terms of shaping. Because when it comes, if it's a successful border poll and we do have any other Ireland, the strength of the left going into it will dictate the strength that we have afterwards to shape what happens and I think that coming together unions as well because I know that you said about you would have loved to have seen after death Blair McGee unions taking uh, you know taking the lead on these issues I think that we're going to have to have you know union movements fighting for workers rights uh, before the successful border poll so that afterwards we have that strength and that experience um, of winning uh, successful uh, winning uh, workers rights and talking about that kind of being the kind of things that we want in a new society has he had something to come back? Yeah, I mean, I, I just challenge it. I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that it is a, the, you know, uh, like the left unity of, of, of uh, the, the, the left parties um, that, that, that'll be the fundamental question after, uh, after a border poll uh, on, on how no, that's not what I meant to Okay, well, I mean, I, if, I, I maybe agree that, I, I mean, it's workers' unity, you know, it's the question of, of, of the, the working class. So just to come back and clarify, I don't mean that we need to see left unity afterwards in any kind of election, nor do I mean that, and this is the point that I made, we need to see left unity before that in any kind of election. Great. 
that means we'll get more electable elected. But really, when we're talking about a border poll here, we need to be shaping the debate. And all that I'm simply saying is, how best can we do that? And we can do it if we're all talking off the same hymn sheet, or at least a very similar hymn sheet, and uh, actually engaging in these things in a bigger way because of small fractured uh, forces. It's, we know this. How difficult is it to, to, to do these kind of things, the small fractured forces? I mean, but I mean, I just think that the, the, the fundamental question after a border poll is, is going to be um, the, the, the strength of, of the working class and you know, the balance of, of, of forces. Because you're going to have a, a capitalist class in, in Ireland that is, is looking to continue the gutting of our communities, continue And to smash whatever movement led to the border poll. Exactly. And, uh, and if that movement is based in, in, in one community, then that'll necessarily mean, as we have seen historically, that the state will be whipping up sectarian tensions whipping up sectarian violence as a means to, but I think to, we're, to I think we're saying a, a similar thing because you know in me not saying that we need to have a strong working class is not the absence of me thinking that I hope you would know that and presume mm. that oh, yeah, but, I, what I, what I think I'm is, just trying to clarify yeah 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 but I think is after if we do have it have we have a United Left talking about what society wants disseminating those ideas and winning people for those ideas in a big way and actually having an intervention into the debate because with Brexit let's be honest we didn't really and it was difficult to have any any say afterwards that wasn't what does Lexit even mean? Do you know what I mean? And there are lessons that we can learn there about how do we disseminate an idea <laughs> that this can be in you know talk, uh, talking about what kind of uh, society we want and of course that is one way to work with us is as strong as possible. No one else to add there though? I mean just, just to kind of, I mean I, I think we, we just disagree that uh, after uh, the, the, what the strength of the working class would be, and uh, after a, a, a border poll, I suppose. I mean, I, I do. I think fundamentally, uh, on the basis of, of where we're at now, it would simply mean a, a further, uh, you know, a kind of division in, in the. I don't think we do movement. disagree about that because I don't think I said that. I think that you know, I, I, my point was very, very um, strictly talking about the left, mm. not necessarily the working class, those ones are socialised ideas and those not. I think that ultimately, and I, I acknowledged so this before, I, but I acknowledged this before, that I think that you're right, that having a border poll in the next five to ten years, without the ideal conditions, has the ability to divide people, and that we need a united left to tackle um, some of the ideas that will be whipped up by the establishment on both sides to further entrench those divisions during the border poll. <laughs> um. We're running short of time, so we're going to open up the floor um, to questions directly at any of our speakers. We've got to leave 10 minutes for questions now, so if there was any questions, work away, raise your hand. Greg? Uh, I have general remarks and a question. Um, no one's asking us uh, if we want a border poll now or in 50 years, and the border poll is going to divide people along question, the national question, whether it's done now, whether it's done in 2,000 years, and when the border poll comes, what are you going to do? Are you going to side with unionism and British imperialism in Ireland, or are you going to side with anti-imperialism? Uh, would I be able to just come back? Are you finished, or do you want me to? Okay. I mean, I, mean, I think that, 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 that it's a false dichotomy to say that I, I alluded to it earlier that, that there are only you know two questions here: the, the question of, of, of unionism um, and, and the interest of, of the the the, 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 the Protestant capitalist class here, and the question of, of nationalism, which fundamentally represents 
the interest of, of, of the, uh, the, the, the capitalist class in Ireland. Um, as I said earlier, you know, the working class has an independent position in this. The working class has an independent position in all questions under capitalism, and that is for an end to exploitation, which you, you'd agree with, course, an end to exploitation. The, the, the right for workers not to be, to be drawn into a sectarian conflict that'll simply, you know, uh, it'll destroy uh, the, the, the fighting power of their unions, destroy the fighting power of, a, of, a, of any um, sort of a political formation of, of uh, working class people fighting independently. So I mean, uh, if, if, if you're asking me on the question of a, of, of a border poll that does divide workers and does so more sectarian division, I mean, I, I will be uh, consistently uh, waving the, the, the red flag, you know, putting forward the question of, of, of independent working class politics and independent working class struggle. Okay, on a border poll, there is no answer for communist Ireland. There's, do you want to be part of United Ireland or do you want to be part of the UK? What way will the left campaign and what way will, will the left vote? Will we spoil our votes and tell people not to vote? Because uh, that's just that's de facto unionism because if things remain the same, we remain part of the British Empire. Um, there, there is no real third position in my opinion. Well, I mean, I, I fundamentally just uh, disagree with that. I mean, I think that the, the working class does have its own independent interest, uh, and, yeah, so, and that, that is for you know an end to sectarianism and not a, a, a more of a deepening. Of Do you think that's achie- achievable? Can you say? No, no. Um, I, I think things like the the, the struggle hard in the world. Where, yeah, I mean, I mentioned historical uh, actions like like the uh, outdoor uh, relief strike where workers did come together, um, or or the engineering strike where where it, it, it was such a powerful movement uh, and. and that uh, fundamentally, uh, I don't think the working class uh, should have to to, to, to wait uh, in any way for for uh, to, to, to for the building of a of a socialist society. Um, I think it's it's the power is there. You know, we just need to sort of unearth it. Fiona, you something to say that? Yeah, um, I do have something to say to what you were saying there, but I can't quite remember uh, what the point was now. Um, I do, I do, I, I, I do think that the question is maybe a bit. Uh, sharp on both sides and that there maybe um, is a little bit uh, around the edges Um, I don't think that you're either the DUP or an anti-imperialist, I think there's many people within the middle who aren't quite one to the idea Um, and I do think again that this brings up the question of Brexit because there were were, were people during the Brexit debate saying look, if we stay with the EU or if we remain part um, of the UK for working class people the struggle goes on we're not in a socialist society, and there were people who presented themselves on that basis, and I don't think that that was a position that you can just write off. I think that that's valid. I think there are valid concerns in saying that until you're in that kind of uh, socialist society, the, the struggle for workers um, will go on. I think we have to come back uh, to the points that we made uh, before, though. You know, yeah, it's probably possible to overcome um, sectarianism here, but it's certainly not under these institutions. It's certainly not as this state currently exists. So we have to talk about radically overhauling this state, smashing the kind of institutions that are ingraining um, uh, division and sectarianism in our studies. uh, And if we talk about that, and I think you would accept that, that we have to have an overhaul of society, border or no, then what does it look like? And what is the benefit uh, to the working class um, uh, to to keeping that border in place? I mean, to answer your question, what will you do? I mean, the border post call will we'll, we'll campaign to get rid 
um, of the border. It's an imperial border. It, it, you know, it, it keeps us tied to a crumbling, decaying, zombie union that goes as fast as it can, and uh, we'll be more than happy. But with all of the caveats that we added before, it will be something that has the potential to divide people. And I think you acknowledge that yourself. It will be something that will give both nationalists and unionists the opportunity to whip up sectarian intentions, and we need to be able to we need to be as strong as we can in in order to counter that to provide people with that alternative. I think Neil had a question as well. Yeah, yeah I just have a couple of points that I want to make and then kind of phrase a couple of questions sure. off, off the back of that. So I'm, I'm Neil, I'm a member of the Socialist Party, but I'm also a trade union organiser for United and I've been involved in the set of the United Hospitality Project. And I think initially before the conversation, you know, was taken over by, by a border poll, um, some very, very interesting, all the points of course were interesting, there were some very interesting points that, that were made that came out of this because we have a certain history mm. here amongst our class of challenging sectarianism. Chris talked about their narrative. Um, and Carl spoke about um, different kind of historical examples of where we fought back, part of the trade unions, fight back about that. But I suppose that's, that's kind of my first question. Um, are we, are we organised enough at the moment to take on sectarian challenges? And I think the points that the speakers made around the response to the killing of Larry McKay and frankly disappointing response of Ectic. Um, there was of course trade union counter protest by the by the NUJ, um, by Ecto, by by other groups in, in, in some areas, but it was very small, you know, and the huge mood that we had in society, particularly off young people, particularly off this Good Friday generation, fight back against sectarianism. It was really something that we really missed the boat on to be able to kind of uh, launch some sort of new campaign and put um, class issues and fight back against paramilitarism um, on the agenda. We just have to look at you know activists in Derry who were from that community going and you know leaving bloody handprints on the on the wall of the of the Syria office. That that takes a lot of balls and that kind of shows the mood that that was there. So sort of that that's sort of the question. Uh, because I think there is some kind of glimmers of what we need to do. Because we're talking about the left this and the left that, and you know, we have to put a left wing stamp on our work. Well, absolutely. But another question is as a left, do we have enough authority amongst the working class at the moment in order to, to put a stamp? And Fiona made some very good points about it could, it could turn into another horrific sort of thing to have to intervene into as the left, you know, similar to, to Brexit. Um, and actually, I think the real challenge and the real task at the moment is actually organising amongst the class. We've seen some pockets of success with the PPP and uh, the electoral uh, success that they've, uh, that they've experienced. Um, obviously, they were alternative, but all um, coffee also works for United, electors, councillor for money. You know, there clearly is you know, pockets of breakthroughs that are happening. We're seeing an increase in, in trade and struggle. But there's certain things that I think are worrying, you know, and that's the kind of decline in young people coming into the trade union movement. Whereas we are seeing these brilliant pockets of like struggle, TJ Fridays, Weatherspoons, McDonald's, they actually tend to be small minority movements that kind of capture a bit of a mood and a bit of imagination. And there's some serious work to be done. We're a majority of young people uh, working in, in the north at the moment. Call centres, hospitality, retail, and agency workers in the public sector. And those are the least organised, the least dense within trade unions. And it's not even the left that has, a, that has no authority amongst this you know, group and strata of the class. Trade unions have little to no authority amongst the strata, and you've seen that for like movements, 
you see young people turning towards these sort of ideas, like instinctually, like the idea of the, you know, the global climate strike, that's called a strike, you take, take it on methods of you know, trade unions and, and workers' organizations, shows that there is a willingness to take up these ideas, but we just don't have authority to kind of command those at the moment. So it'll be interesting to hear from the speakers, like what can we do more to kind of, to kind of get this, get this on? We're talking trade unions on the left, have a sort of authority in dealing with issues of sectarianism. Because while we do, we can kind of strike off the authority from time to time. You can see a worrying trend where maybe five, ten years down the line, that authority's weakened and is lessened. And that's worrying and concerning because I think the answer is how do you organize against sectarianism? Well, it is through trade unions, through working class organizations. But how do we continue? How do we ensure that that continues? And how can we actually strengthen that? There's really good poster in the wall downstairs of uh, trade unionists uh, smashing like that. A sectarian saying I should really work out more. Well, I think the trade union movement really needs to, to hit the gym. You want to take that one then? I'll throw more. Um, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And you mentioned there about the global climate strike. I think that is a brilliant example of young people being interested because obviously that, that affects everyone, but um, young people sort of be. The more vocal on it because it's social media, different types of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Use that. I think that's where the trade union movement is tapping into because I think the trade union movement at the moment, I don't have much experience of it. I'm not a union myself, believe it or not. Um, but I think it's quite aged. And I think um, the, the way they think and uh, their actions, they are quite sort of of an older generation. And the way then, the question then would be how do you get youth into that? Um, I think that's, I don't really have a clear answer to that, but I think that's sort of, obviously we all know we have to inject youth in the, the new generation, young movements, and I think the global climate strike was tomorrow, I think that's a prime example, like a sort of, almost like a recruiting ground, almost, um, to use that, um, sort of. You're just foreshadowing what tomorrow is and everybody's in yeah, there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, yeah. So, so, so I think issues like that, uh, you know, because every, everyone, everyone will know about that because it'll be like a reminder on Facebook or Twitter. Um, whereas young people might know about what's going on in Harlemwood or in local um, businesses and um, uh, local areas like that. But I think that's what you have to focus on because, I mean, that, that's how most young people get all their information is through social media and their friends will be talking about it. So I think you have to focus more so on that. But that's sort of all I would do for that. Yeah, so the two questions that I think that you had come out of that were are we organised enough and do we have enough authority? Left and unions, um, so I'll try and cover them all. Um, just a disclaimer first of all, so, you know, some of the older people in unions are some of the best fighters we've had for years and some people that we all <laughs> would look up to and you know, it's not just a matter of culling the old guard and getting in the new young ones, uh, disclaimer. Um, but I do think that there, there, it's true that there are many people, you know, I'd hate to be a young unionist of a certain persuasion in a community looking at the DUP as the biggest party and thinking I'm not welcome there like they none of them look like me um, and maybe that maybe that is something to take on about how we uh, present ourselves and how we present um, our unions are we organized enough in terms of unions I think unions are organized within an inch of their life uh, bureaucratically um, sewed up tied up tiny cogs that only twist if three more twist and um, with lots of uh, tick boxes and uh, checks and um, barriers <laughs> to doing anything that's a bit freer and a bit um, 
a, a bit um, less organized, um, but I think that that's not really the organization that you're talking about. I think the organization that you're talking about is being able to go in and lead worker struggles and win them because we are uh, organized within the working classes. And of course, I'm not one of us. I would, you know, I think the general uh, opinion is that we're not organized enough. Uh, one of the things that the first thing that we did when we were in Stormont was try to bring a piece of legislation called the Trade Union Freedom Bill, which would undo all of Thatcher's trade union uh, restrictive laws, which unbelievably, despite the fact that we've had our own assembly for how many years, still exist and have never been challenged by any of the parties in Stormont. Uh, actually, not that unbelievable when you really think about it, but for the kind of stuff you get coming out of Stormont, you know, there are some people you think might have had a look at it. And I think that one of the, we had some people who came on board with that who were incredible, people within the trade union movement, people who were still seeing leading the trade union movement. I think one of you know, one of the best people was Denise, who was GMB, who was up at the stage working or leading um, the Harland and Moistrike and people like that who were really willing to back us. Um, but it was smaller unions who were really on board and yes, let's do this because we want solidarity strikes, we want the ability to wildcat strike, we want the ability to stick our hands up in a room, one, two, three, four, five, that's a majority, we can go on strike instead of all of the kind of time limits and restrictions that Thatcher uh, brought in. There was definitely hesitancy in the... Um, upper echelons, let's say, of a lot of the bigger unions. And I think that's a shame, and I think that it will take a bit of pressure, uh, maybe from, which is why when we were trying to roll this out and trying to make people aware of what it was, we weren't going there initially. I'm sure we sent out a formal letter to each of them to let, let them know that we want to hear their thoughts, uh, and we want to shape this process based on the opinions of workers and trade unions. Um, but we were trying to get into organised with shop stewards, with ordinary people uh, in, their, in the biggest um uh, biggest important uh, places here, uh, like the Royal um, and things like that, and that's something if Stormont ever gets back up and running, that will be the first thing we'll do we're not going to scrap it, we're going to keep pushing uh, to try uh, and ram that through, and I think that, that that is something that we need to see if our trade unions are going to be um, are going to be able to utilise the tools that they currently have uh, to organise in the working class, do we have enough authority, and then I, I, I presume you mean left and uh, unions. I think no, but I think as well as that, there is a hegemony that exists here and it exists here for a reason. It was very purposely set up here and maintained um, uh, and I think that, you know, this, you know, the establishment here does it very well in maintaining that status quo for a reason because it benefits out of it. The establishment ideas are the ruling ideas of the day. That's the way that it is. And I think it's very hard to break down that hegemony. And um, if we're talking about the left, I think that the press here has a lot to answer for. You know, if I have a story about a sectarian attack in North Belfast, I'll be picked up by five papers. But if I have a story about the Shankill Falls workers coming together or anything else that is about workers coming together or a statement supporting the strikes, it will be picked up by next to no major newspapers. There are some individual um, journalists that you can rely on to pick these stories up and I think that that is a crying shame and I think that there are questions that are not being asked about the establishment here that anywhere else in the world you have an investigative journalist open a book and say that's wrong, let's dig into that. I think we're starting to see it with Sam McBride and what has been the response by the establishment here. It has been absolutely disgusting. I am glad to see uh, the backlash to it. So I think there is a hegemony here and it is difficult to break through. But you know, 15, 20 years ago, socialism was a dirty word. You know, it was a bad word. You were a commie, you know, there was red under the bed scare tactics. You still try to see the DUP try to whip out in council today, which is lunacy. But when, when you're trying to talk about being the real alternative and have an authority, the only way you're going to do it in a society where there is a hegemony that is not that is by being the best fighters on these issues, by being trustworthy, by um, 
by living up to what you speak, by going into working class communities and not just saying these are what these are our policies, I believe X, Y, Z, and there has to be an entry imperialism and there has to be and there has to be, but actually sticking to it. Standing with the one struggles, being the best fighters on it, um, and winning people—that's how. You, it's not about having authority; it's about winning people to the idea that this is possible. And I think that that's how we'll break through the hegemony that exists. Does anyone else have a response to that before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll just be quick. I mean, we're, it's the question of organisation and authority of the trade unions is, is an important one because we're coming uh, after you know uh, decades of, of, of weakness that, that started really in the, in the, in the Thatcherite era, when which really represented a. a, a a global offensive of, of, of capitalism and, and, and the state uh, against the, the mass organisations of working class people uh, in order to, to break their backs so that they could ramp up the exploitation uh, that, that we face. Uh, and I think it, it's important to, to note that, like in that sort of in the decades since, there's been a real uh, inertia amongst uh, the, the kind of tops of the trade trade unions that come about as a result of that. Um, but I think Fiona made a good point about uh, this sort of like reemergence of, of the language of, of class struggle, of, like people call themselves socialists, and mm-hmm. um, you know the, the idea of like the, the global climate strike, you know. Um, and and uh, like it's, it, that's not only coming from, but it is uh, in a big part coming from young people who don't have an experience with, with the trade union movement and whatnot. But they, they, what they do know is that they hate capitalism and they hate all the conditions of, of, of life that it, that it forces upon them. Uh, and I think the most important question uh, is that trade unions need to show that they're able, uh, as they did in the past, to act as, as, as fighting bodies, you know, and they need to be able to, to, to fight back against what is actually interesting young people. I mean, the climate strike is a good example of that. Um, I, I, I sit on the, the, the executive of Unite the Union, uh, I'm speaking here on a, on a personal capacity, but um, we were able to pass uh, support for the, for the climate strike at it, and that, and that was hugely, yeah. hugely important, you know. Um, uh, obviously, that needs to be backed up by, by actual organisation, uh, actual uh, struggle around those issues. Um, but uh, another thing really is, is, is you know, that the unions have to be willing to, to break the law, you know, I mean, they've been shackled by these, these, these anti-trade union uh, laws that have been mentioned before, um, that, that make it difficult even for certain unions to organise uh, agency workers, for, for them to do solidarity strikes or whatnot, or, or, or flying pickets, and, and those are, 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 are essential if, if we're going to break this, this inertia, you know, so uh, yeah, it's all right. I think as well, it's actually sad that, it, that you're bringing on, and I think it's the kind of point that I was trying to make about the left as well, it's alright for the unions to say we're the biggest union or this leadership won this year and that leadership won the next year, but if you're not actually going to stand by the workers when they're calling for action, if you're not actually going to call for action, if you're not actually going to represent people when you know some of the biggest issues that are hitting the state in a decade are unfolding in front of our eyes, then you're not going to win the trust of people mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to break through that hegemony that a union bill is just a union bill. I'm sure we could talk about the left and uh, the trade union movement all day, but we're uh, Sean's second lap there to, to, to call, it quits. call it quits there. So again, I would like to thank Trademark for organising the talk as part of Good Relations Week, and a big round of applause for all of our speakers. Thank you.